baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo for the next hour and a half. So by, by the time the show is done today, we will have had all three candidates so far that are running for governor on this program. You call before the holidays two weeks ago or so. We had Brian Kolbon. He's the Republican leader of the New York State Assembly. He's running for governor. And then this week it was announced that Joel Giambra is also tossing his hat into the ring. Joel, the former Erie County executive, and he joins us now to take your calls for about a half hour or so. Joel, thanks for being here. David, Happy New Year. I haven't seen you in a while. Haven't time. seen you in a while. I'm reminded. And let's start with that. The idea that uh, to some people, you've been out of politics more or less for a while. The last time the Bills were in the playoffs, you were city comptroller back in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, then eight years as Erie County executive. It's been a while. So much so that I got to ask: uh, Will people recognize you? Will people uh, uh, vote for you the same way they would someone like Brian Kolb, who's immediately now still in politics? Well, I hope so, and that's why I'm seeking the nomination, the Republican nomination for governor. Um, I saw over the last ten years uh, some real problems in New York State. Uh, I believe that I have some different ideas and new solutions, some fresh ideas, and I'm going to tackle this whole incumbent protection plan, David. I spent 25 years in elected office, as you know, and I can speak from an insider's perspective, obviously. And I can tell you that the campaign finance rules right now that we operate under in New York State are bizarre. Um, It allows for incumbents to stay in office. It discourages and prevents anybody from wanting to challenge elected officials. And that's why we get the same results, time in and time out. The fact that Governor Cuomo has $26 million in the bank, is obscene. There's no way that you can raise those kinds of dollars without having a choreographed, orchestrated, pay-to-play operation. And unfortunately, now there's going to be trials beginning uh, very shortly around the whole issue of pay-to-play and the Buffalo Billion and other failed public experiments. So earlier this week, you announced you're running. Uh, right now, as I've said, Assemblyman Brian Kolb is the only Republican who said, other than you, that he's running. Terry Gibson, a uh, former state senator on the Democratic side, said he'll challenge Cuomo. We'll talk to him in a little bit later on the program. But but talk to me kind of about the, the state of New York state politics. We have what I think you would say is a fairly liberal governor. We have uh, a challenge to him from an even more liberal former state senator, uh, then we have Kolb, who is a pretty much mainstream Republican. You're not a mainstream Republican, are you? No, I th- I'd like to consider myself more middle-of-the-road, big tent. Do you think um, that gives you a path here? Well, I think it does. I think be, you know, in order to win in New York State, um, a traditional Republican will have a very difficult time. And we've seen that in the last three cycles, where Republicans have not been able to secure any statewide office. And I believe it's time for the Republican Party to redefine itself, if you will, in New York State. The Republican Party in New York State, thank God, is not the Republican Party in Alabama, uh, you know, where we just saw that debacle happen there uh, in Alabama. Um, so I'm hoping to bring uh, a different, if you will, message 
as a New York State Republican, a more moderate message, uh, a message of inclusion, and a message of, I think, a real Republican libertarian message of getting back to basics. How do we fix the tax structure? How do we create jobs? And how do we stimulate the economy without some of the nonsense we've seen over the last eight years with these failed public experiments like the Buffalo Billion? Give me an example of how you think you're... Uh, less conservative Republican than, say, a Harry Wilson who didn't run or a Brand Kolb who is? Well, I'm a Republican who is a pro-choice Republican. I believe that it's between a woman and her God uh, on those matters. Um, I'm, I'm a Republican who believes that um, same-sex marriage is okay. Uh, I don't have an issue with that. Um, I think government should stay out of our boardrooms and out of our bedrooms. And we'll be a much better society and a much better state in which to live and do business. You have in the past been a Democrat. You switched to become a Republican to become Erie County Executive back in the day. Why are you a Republican? Because the Democratic Party was not willing to embrace my message of change back then. Uh, I was talking, if you remember, David, about reducing the size and cost of government, which is a real, if you will, Oh, that sounds like an conservative there, Joe. Conservative <laughs> Republican agenda, right? Right, right. So I'm very much a fiscal conservative, and... The message of consolidation and merger is one that I can take all the way from Jamestown to Montauk because the problem is the same. Local property taxes in New York State are 42% higher than the national average. That's why we're not seeing economic development. That's why we're continuing to see our children leave. And that's why over the last 10 years or so, about a million people left New York State. So I'm going to deliver that message, but I'm also going to deliver the message that it's time to change the incumbent protection plan, David. We need to have a system that allows for fair competition, that allows for people who want to seek public office to do so, and not be intimidated by the massive amounts of money that incumbents are allowed to raise. I use the analogy often uh, that, that, to my mind, party politics is a little bit like going out to dinner. Um, if I want pizza, I'm going to go to a place that has a big banner on the front that says Pizza Hut. If I want steak, I'm going to go to a place that calls it a steakhouse. Uh, the, so much of what kind of choices we make as consumers, and I think by extension in politics, we make because of the labels people put on their forehead. Uh, Andrew Cuomo runs as a fairly liberal, not entirely liberal, but fairly liberal Democrat in a state that that means something to people. You're kind of ripping the, the label off your forehead and saying, I'm a steakhouse that serves pizza. Do you, do you understand the <laughs> analogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I, remember, I, I wonder if that's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work, but you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Um, I'm at a point in my life now where I'm not looking for a career in politics. I already had what I consider to be a very good career, and I think when the record is exposed, you're going to see that uh, from my time as a city council member in 1982 uh, through uh, my t- time as county executive, I was involved in a lot of different projects, and we were very in, uh uh, I think responsible for changing a lot of circumstances, whether it be in the west side of Buffalo or the city or in the county. So we're going to take that message to the people of New York State. Again, I think it's a fresh message, and it's not about labels. You're right. I mean, look what happened in Syracuse recently. A mayor got elected on an independent line. So I think the voters of New York State, David, I think you're right. They're not paying as much attention to the party labels, whether you're a D or an R, and if we can avoid that, I think we'll have much better outcomes. But, but voter behavior, don't you think they go to the steakhouse when they want steak? Yes, they do. Um, but So like, you're kind of swimming upstream there. Um, some would say that, but I think I'm going to be able to deliver an effective message, one that's going to resonate with voters across party lines, because it's not about partisan politics. It's really about who can go there 
in Albany as the executive and begin to make changes. Right. I think I can. I got to ask you though, the last time you were in public office, obviously, um, dare I say it did not end well. The red and green budget in Erie County, uh, a lot of allegations mm-hmm. swirling about how competent you were at the time. Do you think you can overcome all that? Absolutely, because I look forward to discussing that, the red and green budget, because what happened here was Erie County was a victim of New York State unfunded mandates, and we're going to show that. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. If we have to uh, pick it up after the news break, we will. We'll take some calls then to 803-0930 is the number. But briefly, in about the minute we have left here, let's go back to the year was what, 2009? Uh, I left in seven. Okay. Oh, okay. So it was 2007. The red and green budget, you had basically proposed two budgets and said one of them would include a sales tax and the other one wouldn't. Right. And then the meltdown kind of started. And then there was also a lot of allegations that uh, that there was uh, support for what they were calling then friends and family, uh, contracts that you had with uh, an office, Buffalo Office Interiors, a group that uh, was run by a friend of yours. You don't feel as if that damaged you? Not at all. I think once the people realize what happened there, um, friends and family, yeah, I mean, there were people that I knew that received, um, you know, a, a job or something like that, but that's no different than any other politician. Patronage exists. In the history, it exists. Okay. It's part of our system, right? So I never had, when you think about it, there was not one blood relative ever on the payroll of Erie County government. All right. Now, now, do you think your budget is what led to the control board in Erie County? No. What led to the control board in Erie County was a political hit because I had become so popular at the time um, that both Democrats and Republicans were out to get me. And if you remember, David, Alan Hevesy said that he wanted adult adult supervision. supervision. And then he went to jail and got his adult supervision, if you remember. He was the controller of the state at the time. Right. He came in here with a political hit on me. It was choreographed by both Democrats and Republicans, and the record will show that. Um, and if you remember, the reason that the, 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 the Albany delegation was mad at me is because I was bold enough to put the Medicaid tax on our tax bill. Because if you remember, again, we were a victim of unfunded mandates. And every county in New York State experienced the same problem that we did after All right, we'll pick it up after the break. Time to pause for news. More with former Erie County Executive Joel Giambra, now a candidate for governor. We'll pick it up with you on the phones as well, 803-0930. After the news, it's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll talk a little bit more about Governor Cuomo's State of the State address this week. Did you hear it? When he specifically said that in order to try and bring back the deduction of state and local taxes, he's going to try and shift New York State to a payroll tax instead of an income tax. What does that mean? We'll kick it around with someone from the Tax Foundation in just a little bit. But first, let's uh, continue our discussion with former Erie County Executive Joel Giambra. He announced this week he's running for governor against Andrew Cuomo. At least, uh, I don't know how to say this. Uh, You're pursuing the nomination. Does that mean you're going to a primary? Does that mean you're going to the convention? What does that mean? Well, I'm not sure what it means yet. Right now, my intentions are to try to convince the Republican leadership in New York State that being a moderate Republican, a big tent Republican, that I have the best chance of winning in November. It's all about winning, David. Um, I I believe that, a, if you will, a traditional Republican does not have much of a chance in the state when you have so many more Democrats than Republicans. I have shown an ability, uh, you know, by winning uh, county executive's office twice 
in a county where there's almost four to one more Democrats than Republicans, I was obviously able to get Democratic crossover votes. And I'm pretty sure I recall you're not a huge fan of Donald Trump, but I wonder if there's a parallel here, because he was not a traditional Republican either. Well, I, I, if you will, I've taken a page out of Donald Trump's book. Donald Trump was a Democrat, became a Republican. Donald Trump sought the Republican nomination for president, and in the beginning... Not one Republican establishment uh, individual was supporting him. And so. let's take it further then. Donald Trump then gets in office, and the Republicans or the Republican establishment doesn't like him a lot, and the Democrats never did. You picture yourself being in a similar situation, do you think? Very similar situation in that, again, um, I, I think I am the only Republican right now who's announced for governor that has the ability to get Democratic votes uh, in a state that is heavily Democrat. All right, let's take a couple phone calls here, 803-0930. Bob in Buffalo, you kick it off for us here on the air. Good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, Joe, I go back uh, with you. Uh, I, we've never met, but I've talked with you several times. Uh, uh, I go back to when the William Street Library was closed. Uh, the rest oh, yeah, yeah. Tighten up uh, the belts. Uh, now, uh, as I listen to you, I voted for you in the past, uh, but... Uh, one of the reasons why I'm leaving the Republican Party is because of the lack of, uh, and I won't say morality, but morality. So uh, when I take a look at where we're going as a uh, society where one one can swap one another uh, by using state agencies such as CPS with anonymous phone calls and, uh, uh, and accusations and you can't defend yourself, and then when you talk with one of your state representatives and says, well, go to the DA, well, how can you talk to the and how does the DA get involved with uh, false accusations? And, Bob, I see on the board here that tells me about why the different people are calling. For you, uh, it's a little odd that he's a Republican but also pro-choice. Am I right? Oh, absolutely, because we're talking about a physician-assisted uh, physician suicide where a uh, doctor do no harm to your patient. Uh, uh, you've got the, uh, you know, if, as a Christian, uh, there's two commandments you have to live by. Thou shalt not kill and honor thy mother and father. Uh, and that means that you become Satan's little helper when you when you go down that little line. You want a Republican Party that stands up for life that's more conservative than Joel? I want somebody that has morality, because what I got in Albany are a whole bunch of crooks that seem to get arrested, uh, uh, convicted, and then let go over technicalities. And there's not just one, there's a bunch of them, and that's what I'm tired of. So, All right, let's get Bob, a response. And Bob, that's where you and I agree. Albany is wroth with corruption. If you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, you've got, starting in the next week or so, you've got corruption investigations beginning um, you know, with the governor and Joe Prococo, and then you've got the... Buffalo Billion uh, scandal behind that, and then you've got the Syracuse uh, scandal behind that, and then you've got the retrying of Skelos uh, and uh, Silver happening. So you're, you're going to have six or seven months of continuous coverage about corruption in Albany, and that's why I want to run, because it's time to, to take the lid off and expose the whole issue with campaign finance. We, so you think the corruption trials and the possibility of the governor having to move left because of a primary leaves you a path up the middle? That there's a pathway to victory, yes. And, uh, you know, on the issue of life, um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that there should be a separation of church and state, right? Number one. Number two is, as a Catholic, um, you know, I was, I was, I was baptized as a Catholic. I went to Catholic grammar school. My kids went to Christian school. But that's a very difficult subject. And you know what I've decided? That the, the most, the, the, the best person to decide whether to continue a pregnancy or not is a woman and her God. Now I am vehemently opposed 
to late-term abortions. Um, but I'm not competent to make that decision, but I think a woman and her God is. All right, let's squeeze a couple more in here quickly. Rick, you're up now. Hi, good morning. Yes, the uh, previous caller covered a lot of what I had to say, but what I was going to say was that the, Mr. Jamba says the government has no business in interfering with what goes on in the bedroom if the government knows that a parent is abusing their child in the bedroom, should the government then not interfere with what is going on in the privacy of that home? All right. It's a question, I think, about libertarianism. To what degree does government safety and, and protecting children and, and the idea of government not getting involved in certain issues, where does that collide? Where do you draw the line? Well, obviously, that if, if, somebody, if there's evidence that a parent is abusive to a child, government has to step in. Uh, there's no question about that. And it sounds as if those two particular callers had an issue specific to them that might have raised that issue on their agenda. Let's squeeze one more in. John in Rochester. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, Dave. Hey, Joel. Hey, John. I got to tell you, I, I'm a Brian Cole fan because I, I think he's doing a good job as a minority leader. But if you win the nomination, I'll tell you, you're my hero, and I'll tell you why. I've told you this before. When you were a county executive, when you first became county executive, you reduced the county tax rate drastically. So I used you as a symbol of progress to our, our county executive here in uh, Monroe County. And uh, there, as far as the red-green budget goes, I think that was a po- you should make that a positive because that brought on the financial control board, and I think that really made Erie County a better county. So, Joel, I'm a fan of you. You're my hero, buddy. Hey, John, thanks. I appreciate that. And, you know, the the red and green budget was an interesting uh, experiment. Um, I had a situation where I had cut taxes because I ran on a platform in 1999 that my opponent at the time, Dennis Gorski, had raised taxes for 10 consecutive years and built up this huge surplus. I ran on the basis that we were going to take those dollars that were taken not for to be spent, but to, to be saved for some reason, and give them back to the taxpayers to reduce the tax burden. I had no idea that the state of New York was going to begin to download Medicaid costs, new programs, Family Health Plus, Child Health Plus. All of these new programs were being forced down the county's throats across the state, and we were victims of state unfunded mandates. So now I had a political problem. I had a legislature that didn't want to vote for new taxes, and they didn't want to make to vote to make cuts. So you put out both budgets and So I gave them a budget with a tax increase and one without. Thinking they would pick one, but instead they basically tried to come up with something in the middle, and that's where the crisis began. Exactly. And right. that's where the political issue came about, because I had taken on state leaders and put the property, ta- the, the welfare tax on our property tax bill. They were furious at me. There was a concerted effort at that point. To, to go after Joel Jobber, both Democrats and Republicans, and the rest is history. Hey, John, i got to ask you a, a little story here. Usually when I get done with this program, there's work that I do out in our newsroom. And uh, on a Sunday, of course, that's when out in the newsroom we hear all the guys from down the hall at WGR. I know you're a regular caller down there as well. I hear you talking football. How do you think they're going to do today, John? Uh, they're going to win 28-21. Tyrod Taylor... And Marcus Murphy are going to go wild today. So, big win. We're going to New England next week. I am pumped up, Dave. All right, fair enough. And we'll let you go so you can dial down there now. Joel, thanks for coming in. Glad, glad to have you thanks here. Thanks for the opportunity. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 